and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor in Focus podcast, where we will be discussing the concept of multi-service firms and whether they make good business sense. It's not just private equity investors that are showing an interest in financial advice, but law firms too. In recent months, at least two law firms announced their intention to move into the financial advice space. Yet the concept of a multi-service firm is not new. As early as 2016, Progeny launched to bring wealth and legal services together. So why are law firms expanding the remit into financial advice? With me here to discuss this today are Josh Richardson, a chartered financial planner at Informed Financial Planning, and Tahina Akta, a barrister at Wildcard Law, which is currently awaiting authorization from the Financial Conduct Authority to provide advice. Hello, both. Tahina, um, Wildcard Law has made a move into the advice space. Why did you do that and how will your model work? Okay, thank you, Carmen. Um, For us, we believe that with clients, um, there are many uh, legal advice and financial services um, work hand in hand for many clients and for many scenarios. Uh, Therefore, what we believe is that our service to clients should be based around their needs and not sort of artificial lines or silos that professions create that is financial advice and legal advice, which is separate. Um, And we already see this with sort of ultra high net worth people. We see that the multi sort of family office type work, which is all combined so our view is that it should be more widely available. I use the term sort of mass affluence so for the more, not just the ultra high net worth, but for everyone else. Um, in our model, I suppose typically we would see a financial advisor and a lawyer being in the same conference with a client. Uh, for example, for dealing with a divorce, we could look at all their needs together or inheritance. So that's how it would work for us. Um, but it's also for business consultancy as well. So not just for private finance. So I, we can see many times where you can have both. That, that's how our model would work in practice. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll um, we'll we'll delve, in, delve into this um, in a bit more detail um, in a moment. But first, um, Josh, um, informed financial planning, um, if I if I um, remember correctly, has entered joint ventures with law firms. Um, I think around twenty seventeen. Is that still your your approach to professional connections, or um, or uh, what do you make of these kind of multi multi service firms? Yeah, you're right. We we have ventured into joint ventures previously. However, actually, our final one has just closed uh, recently, which I'll come on to in a bit more detail as to why. Uh, historically, our clients have come predominantly from professional connections, lawyers, accountants, insurance brokers. And we often find that we have far more success with those clients, bringing them on board as informed financial planning clients when introduced by another professional firm. And we ventured into separate companies and joint ventures with two firms of solicitors to try and conjoin their advice and, and also widen their offering for their clients um, to, to help actually provide further services than they could actually provide under the legal sector. Okay, so it sounds like it's you're returning to the more kind of traditional way of doing professional connections. Um so why why what exactly made you made you leave the um the venture and and what 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 kind of venture was it to begin with joint venture so we had you know we did have two joint ventures both with solicitors practices and they worked successfully albeit limited success and i think that came down to engagement across what the wider firm and i think that was that's the that was a real limitation of them I fully stand by behind the joint venture idea. I think it's, it's a great way of going about things and would encourage others to explore it, 
particularly if they do have strong connections with solicitors or accountants, perhaps. However, on our side, whilst we had a few individuals that were very, very keen in, in, within the firms that we uh, joined up with, getting wider engagement was difficult amongst other firms. We also had pandemic, and not to blame that too much, but the pandemic got in, in the way of a number of things, as we all know. However, that did result in what we saw was solicitors getting extremely busy, particularly in the areas that they were working with. And it was often the case that, to take what you um, were talking about there, Tahina, I think solicitors can often fall into silos of get the job, get the work in, get the job done. It's off my desk now. And that's not a criticism. That's just because solicitors were incredibly, incredibly busy. And I think it's about having that wider discussion with clients, potentially more forward planning, more forward thinking about what clients potentially could need. And that's when we were getting involved rather than it just very much being your legal work is done now. It's off my desk. We don't need to be dealing with you any any further. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Um, Tahina, why why would an advice firm merge with a law firm effectively rather than kind of do the more, more traditional professional oh. connections route? I suppose we were a bit unique because um, both co-founders come from both spaces. So I'm a lawyer, I'm one and a half of the co-founder and the other co-founder is a charter wealth manager. So we come, we've built the business from the ground up as far as often this sort of multi-service. And um, what's the benefit? So in terms of the client, it's significant. They have all this service under one roof. Um, you can ensure consistency of service as well. I know previously in working um, elsewhere that when you refer a client on for financial services, then that control is away from you. That responsibility is gone. Uh, and likewise, financial services referring to lawyers, whereas what we can ensure is um, consistency of sort of work and that the professions are working closer together. So you don't have this when the lawyers begin to busy and they move on um, here, that there's a joint um, interest and mutual benefit to the client because it's the client of the firm. So we see worker working closer together. I suppose also just admin duplication. Uh, we don't have that. We don't have to do the same checks, ID, all of those sort of things. But more so, rather than the sort of traditional referral space, it's that sort of service to the client. We feel like we can work closely and offer a better service in that way. But it won't work for everyone, because if it's two different businesses, that's where you have those sort of um, challenges as to where the interest lies at the legal side of the financial service. It has to be homogenous and joined, joined up thinking. I'm sorry to use that phrase, but it sort of uh, has to be everyone on board with it. Tahina, you, you mentioned that... Um... In, in your kind of um, advice and law firm tie up, you will be you will be having the lawyer and the advisor in the same room when they when they um, kind of deal with the client. It, why are you doing that? Is that like a trust thing, or do you think it enhances well, trust when you when they both together? Yeah, it can do, but also it won't be in every scenario. But for example, if we're doing estate planning, that's a classic example where you may have both the lawyer and the financial advisor um, in the same room because there are aspects of drawing up trusts, wills, which the lawyer might do. But of course, you need the advice around protection, advice on how you put money into a trust, what sort of um, inheritance tax, for example. So in that scenario, typically, you may have both. It's not just trust. It's getting the same information from the client, making sure you're holistically addressing the client. So those sort of scenarios where I would see both the lawyer and the financial advisor. It may not be for everyone. It may be, for example, in a divorce case, post-divorce, we often have to deal with pension shares or assets being shared after um, a divorce. They, the lawyer would complete the divorce work and then it would go to the financial services 
um, se section of the business who will then have the file and be able to say this is now what the advice we need to give for that um, that's some that you may have had post settlement so that's how I'd see it working for us yeah makes sense I mean Josh when you when you kind of hear that and obviously you've had a bit of a you've had experience kind of working more closely with, with law firms but do you think you there might be a disadvantage there if you you know doing the traditional professional connections where you refer clients to each other rather than be very close to them or to the lawyers not necessarily I think it can work really well we we're often doing joint meetings with the professional connections to to achieve exactly what the union was talking about there and in the vast majority of cases, it saves duplication for the clients. You mentioned divorce there, Tahina, that the amount of information that you naturally will have to obtain from a client is exactly the same information that we would have to obtain as, as a financial advisor. So in the day and age where everyone's busy, everyone doesn't have necessarily the time to sit down an hour and a half with a solicitor and a financial advisor separately, why not have the joined up approach where the information can be collectively shared or obtained it makes complete sense to to me and I say we often do these joint meetings ourselves because it you can save the old email back and forwards you can save a significant amount of time which naturally saves cost it, it there is there is advantages to this and has informed financial planning ever considered kind of bringing the law the law aspect in-house? We haven't gone any further than the joint venture as, as it stands. Uh, whether the compliant, we've got two heavily regulated sides uh, of, of the professional world here that we're talking about. And that often brings, or the, both sides bring their own intricacies and difficulties so it's not something we've ventured into as at the start but I don't think we'd ever rule it out unless we'd want to look into it. Um, speaking of the regulatory side um, Tahina how does that work um, with the regulatory aspect I mean presumably you have to be regulated by the financial services uh, financial conduct authority as well as the legal um, the legal body um, is that um, is that quite a big kind of big burden? And Josh is, is correct to say that regulation is a big challenge. It's probably the most challenging aspect of doing this. Um, we are in two professions that are so heavily regulated. I agree with that. There's regulation with the SRA, uh, regulation with the FCA. So you have to ensure that you are compliant with both sides. And it is a mammoth task. It's making sure that you um, qualify for both and, and are compliant in the best way. Um, myself, being a barrister, I'm also regulated by the BSB. So we have... Um, Triple regulation on, in a, in our business, um, but in terms of the biggest challenge, that that probably is 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 the regulation side. Um, but in terms of how it works, we are um, we're still waiting for FCA uh, approval. But once we have that, it's just being regulated by both sides, and and there comes the insurance aspect as well. So making sure that 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 is compliant. So yes, it's a, it's the biggest challenge. But for, lucky for us, we come from those professions that we are individually the co-founders regulated by them anyway, so we're familiar with the regulation and compliance. So. That's helped us a long way. Mm -hmm. But are there any synergies at all? Um, can you have you got a compliance department, for example, that that manages to kind of you know not half the workload, but at least kind of cut some of the workload, not kind of do everything you yes. know too far. So David, our co-founder, is um, comes from uh, lots of experience in the wealth world as far as compliance. I, I know he wouldn't want me to call him a compliance um, person himself, but um, he is, uh, yeah, he is effectively um, looking at the regular the compliance side. 
and we can share a lot of information, but both um, regulatory bodies require their own, have their own requirements. Um, where, where they do share um, models, they have huge forms to complete. <laughs> so that is um, <laughs> probably something um, they do share. Uh, but yeah, we do have lots of um, crossover. It wouldn't work if we had to duplicate all the work. That's one advantage we have. Okay, well, that, that's, that's good to know. Sorry, Josh, um, you wanted to say something. Yeah, well, I, I completely agree exactly with what Tina said, the long forms are and often a pain but I think on the side the reason we went down the joint venture side is that we hold our hands up and happily to, happy to admit that we're not experts on the legal profession at all we've got that background and I think if anyone was ever to go down this route I think you'd have to be wary it's not something you'd want to just dabble in if you were an expert on your financial advice compliance absolutely fantastic but if you were to just dabble in the SRA side it would arguably be dangerous in my opinion the joint venture side worked well for us because there wasn't any we weren't regulating the solicitors on the legal profession side that was dealt wholly by the solicitor practice that we we joined with we completely controlled the financial advice aspect uh, and i think that's where we felt comfortable in in entering that space because we could control with our own knowledge and our expertise on that compliance side, what we can do. And I think that's something that so if anyone was to consider that side or venturing into this space, be very wary of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there actually, in terms of, you know, the way the regulators kind of view such joint ventures or, or tie-ups, multi-service firms, is there any kind of um, concern, do you think, um, for the regulators that um that you know that there might be some spillover in the firm so that you know advisors might be giving some kind of legal advice they shouldn't be giving or lawyers might be giving some kind of financial advice they shouldn't be giving absolutely and those individuals um are aware of their own regulatory rules and what advice they can and lawyers will often sell the good ones anyway that um, we don't give financial advice we need to refer you to a financial advisor and likewise for the financial advisors um to the lawyers so yes um coming back to what josh said when we built up our business to have this hybrid model so it's from the ground up so i think going in separately is going to be quite challenging because of the regulatory aspect so um they, it's probably at, is viewed at high risk uh, and therefore you have to satisfy both sets of regulators <laughs> Um, I guess the flip side, the flip side of this is that when you're advising something like trusts, which have a, like a legal element as well as the financial advice element, I mean, do, are you more kind of tempted, or do you make use of that kind of, you know, expertise on both sides for things like trusts? Do, do you make more use of this expertise, legal expertise, than you would normally in an advice firm? Do you think? I think you probably will end up sharing knowledge far greater than you would if you were two separate firms and and just having the odd case pass between you and i think that can only benefit clients i think that's as is it, something you mentioned earlier that is, is consistency we, we we often fall into a trap where you've got large practices of solicitors accountants whoever it might be with the, with their own individual relationships across the individual team members within those practices that are maybe off uh, sending to independent financial advisors, financial advisors, whoever they might may be. And it's that consistency of actual actual work that you may not actually see your client receive the same level of service. Joint ventures, you can 
ensure that the same level of service is, is adhered to. So you know, the model you're talking about sounds exactly the same, but you will be able to get that same level of consistency of service. But again, it's that sharing knowledge. So once you've done one, two, three cases between yourself and the solicitor, you probably find that that actually may spark further conversations with further clients down the line, rather than doing the odd case here and there, where actually you may be doing a disservice if you aren't referring as regularly as you may be under one of these sort of models. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dana, did you want to um, comment on that? No, I think we're on the same page, really, uh, as far as Josh and I, in terms of the joint joint working approach. It's um, not the client not having to, just from a client perspective in a journey, it's not having to explain again what, what their situation is. And knowing that the legal side has been dealt with, the financial side is next, but they've had a conversation, whoever those two professionals are, in terms of the approach to the client. So it's just making sure the client gets the best service. And I think if you're working closely together with professionals, you will have that much more consistent approach as opposed to referring from one um, organisation to another. So that's the way we see it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the same the same is true for intergenerational planning as well. Do you think there's more scope for intergenerational pa- uh, planning in firms that can offer both sides? Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the issues we saw historically, and it potentially, team, you may disagree, may agree, but solicitors practices can often be very transactional in their work with with clients which is not not necessarily the way that financial advisors nowadays choose to work it's, it's usually an ongoing relationship with their, with their clients because of the more or less the, the regulatory onus on us to to ensure ongoing suitability so there is that ability there to refer back to solicitor practices whether that be how we're working now or via a joint venture but it will aid with the intergenerational planning going forward and not to say going back to the age of family solicitor but it does aid the the discussions that people will have what about you tahina do you do you think that's going to be quite a big aspect of the service you'll be offering I think so. That's going to be one of our core aspects. I refer to the family um, office type work before for the ultra high net worth. The intergeneration is is similar, really. We're looking at wealth throughout the generations of one family. Often you'll have one lawyer's firm um, being that family's lawyers for generations to come. And what we're going to do, our model is to replicate that with the financial side as well. Um, I I agree with Josh that some solicitors, I'm not doing disservice to my entire professional lawyers, that can be very transactional. Um, Probably where I have the benefit overseeing a law firm as a barrister, we are very um, into relationships with clients and we build relationships. And the approach we take is it's about the client journey. You've heard me say that before because we really want to think about clients from a financial or legal services perspective so that we then dispel those uh, myths about sort of just being, or not myths, but the practice of just being sort of transactional only. It's, it's making sure it's right for the client. So, yeah, intergenerational trust work, all of that will be sort of key areas for us. Sure. Um, And I suppose we've kind of talked a lot about the benefits um, of such um, collaborations, but what are the kind of friction points? Like what are the kind of things you really have to be careful? What what are the most difficult things apart from regulation um, to overcome when a law firm and an advice firm want to kind of work more closely together? Do you want to start, Josh? Yeah, I will do. Uh, On on the joint venture, potentially you could put the the lack of success of our two joint ventures down to some of these, but it, it was engagement, lack of engagement across the firm. Incentive 
also has to come into it because, as I said, we had two or three very key people within the practices that we joined up with that were very keen to get this off the off off the ground. More often than not, the partner equity partner level that naturally were going to benefit financially from this. And in an age where the solicitors in the rest of the firm are incredibly busy, it potentially wasn't there was no incentive there for them to actually refer clients to the joint venture for that financial advice. And yes, there is the argument to suggest the service level that they would they should want to provide to their clients is there as the incentive to to provide that full level uh, full level of service there it, it just wasn't enough and as i said people got busier and busier and calls telephone calls zoom calls whatever it may have been during the pandemic got more and more transactional in nature that, that wider discussion wasn't necessarily hap- happening and therefore the incentive wasn't there and i think that's something to to really consider if you were to go down this route as to how you incentivize that wider staff engage that wider staff base to ensure that there is success there yeah that's uh, that's very helpful thanks uh, josh how are you how are you planning to overcome these challenges sahina yeah i mean some of the um the points that josh makes i, I suppose is typical of possibly example of where a business has bought another business or, or adding on a service is a bolt-on and um, what we're looking at doing is having a hybrid which is designed around having both services together i think often when you have one business going into another sphere, whether it's a law firm going into accountancy firms or financial advice or a financial advice service going into buying a, a lawyer's firm or working in that way, doesn't often work because it's a bolt-on, which isn't a core offering to your clients. And that's often when things fail. If it's not a core offering, if you're a financial services firm, that's what you know, that's the main business you're asking for. You try to add on legal services, the legal service element and probably fail because there isn't the incentive there to use Josh's term and um, to make that work as well, to work with the financial services. So, um, for us, just be, think about the journey, really, again, for the client, from the client's perspective, what are you going to do which is going to benefit the client? Uh, is it a bolt or is it together? Are you going to work together in a blended way? So that's the way we approach it in terms of overcoming the obstacles. But I, I would agree that they are there. If you simply look at a, I'm going to add on this part of uh, my you know, service or, or, or services to the, the core offering, um, I feel that's where you've got the risk areas and, and they probably won't be as successful. And we've seen that in the past with other other ventures i think that's key it's ensuring everyone sees this in terms of the staff culture as seen as this as additional benefits for their clients and, and offering that 100 percent level of service going above and beyond and not just stopping at where the legal or the financial advice boundary stops and you're a bit too afraid to step into that rightly so because of regulation so yeah it's definitely make sure that everyone buys into that to offer the best service po- possible that's potentially, I say, just beyond your remit and getting the experts in to help with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, with that in mind, do you think, Josh, that we'll see more firms offer multiple services under one roof in the future? Do you think that's that's a thing that's going to become more and more popular? I think with regulation, how it's going, I think it's becoming more and more difficult, in my opinion. Uh, I don't doubt that Tahina will have some success in this with the, the breadth of experience they've got across our firm. There's no doubt. But as a, to use my phrase from earlier, if you're just going to dabble in this, I think it's going to become more and more difficult in this space to, to actually have a real success in, in this area with the regulation on both sides. Mm-hmm. And are you are you referring to any particular aspects of regulation? Just oh. the constant change. I think it's incredibly difficult to 
pensive finance advisor alone just to keep up with our own regulation to have potentially double if not triple as we discussed earlier regulation it's not a task that many people want to uh, to take on absolutely tahina what, what do you think what's the future hold yeah i think the old adage of um allowing the risk uh tail to wag the client service dog probably comes into mind that we we are there are big barriers uh, as far as um regulation we've discussed that how it's important that we need to overcome that and, and be compliant um but also there's there's probably reticence in in both professions for change and the fear of anything new in terms of trying new models i know josh has tried so he's very um uh, optimistic for us in terms of our our model but i do, i do feel that it's going to be more common However, there are significant barriers such as regulation, but also fear of change and and just being able to adapt and work together, really, and how, how this model will work going forward. So I think there'll be a desire for it. Whether we're going to see a huge growth, um, well, only, only time will tell. It's- Absolutely. Um, and for us, that's all we've got time for as well. Um, we shall see, as mentioned in the beginning, there are quite a few firms um, currently undergoing this process of, of joining um joining advice firm and law firm so we we shall see what the future holds um thank you very very much for um for being here today um it was really good to talk to you and thank you for listening <laughs>